Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? This is Behind the Sticks. Welcome back to our XFL podcast. I'm Ian Spaghetti Sacchetti. This is Joshua Housetown Housel. And we are here to talk to you about the overtime that we got spoiled with last week. And how we were robbed of a beautiful third one. What is up, everybody? And as a Sea Dragons fan, I'm still reeling because Danucci, why don't we listen to the man? Why don't we listen to the man? We should go for one. We should tie it up. We should send it to the third overtime. There hasn't even been an overtime ever in the XFL, any of them, I don't think. And then there was going to be three this week. But instead, the Sea Dragons did what they do best, and they fucking lost. Uh, sure. And then if the Guardians went for three instead of one, I think they could have went to overtime, too. Oh, yeah? Because that game was 18-16, but I think they were trying to get the field goal to be cheeky little bastards. I just remember Dormandy looking absolutely terrible compared to how he came out slinging against the defenders and beating the number one team in the league so in the first had, loss. So he had four turnovers. Oh, I thought he had five. Sure. Did he have five? Maybe, I thought so. Maybe it was five. I didn't take no notes this week, but so, I thought they said five, and so I was like, who was out there? Controlling the ball? Bad. But he also had back-to-back 300-yard passing weeks, so. Interesting. I see there's a stat that I missed. He had 300 yards in this terrible week. Yeah. Wow. Well, clearly he can throw the ball. Yeah. I'm not enough to Cody Lattimore, but he's still the leading receiver. But I need him for them fantasy points. Especially now that we're coming up on the uh, playoffs. Fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I've dominated every week. I've just beaten everyone's breaks off, and I know I'm going to lose this first week because my luck's awful. Yeah. And they're they're not double weeks, so I don't have one to bounce back. You're not undefeated. You got one loss, right? Yeah, you beat. We split. Oh. Oh. Who beat you? Yeah. We Damn, split. who beat me? Yeah, Damn. Man, yeah, we split. <laughs> but who has way more points scored? Me. You do. Dude, I almost have double Jose. It's like 650 to 380. Like, it's literally almost double. Jose's team's coming together, though. He could be dark horse. Yeah, no, because he's the one playing this week, and he's going to Oh, beat shit, me. that's right. Yeah, he'll win. He'll be 1-7 and seven in the regular season and win because of nonsense. He'll be the Brahmas. No, the Brahmas are garbage. They're, if the Brahmas yeah, win the Brahmas, games, I then I will. I think they're out of contention now, right? No. The old, wait, they're not? I don't think they're eliminated because I think if they went out and the Renegades lose out, then it goes to the uh, the tiebreaker who's got the higher ranked offense defense combined. So in theory, if the Brahmas could put up some points, because like they're both really bad, they're probably ranked towards the bottom of offensive points. I'm looking at the standings real quick. All right, Renegades are three and four. Yeah, the Brahmas are two and five. So yeah, damn. Oh well, wait, he... three and four. It was week eight. It should be two. Oh, and, it should be, yeah, yeah, it should well, be two and six and four and four. Two and six and four and four. Yeah, that's two games though, and you said they won't be tied though. So yeah, if the, nice if the Renegades the lose their next two, and then the Brahmas win their next two. Yes, but while we're on this page, even though we're doing the weekly roundup, let's look at next week's schedule well doesn't that take Renegades the whole point to... doesn't that take the whole point away from fourth and 15 it though? does but we're giving the people what they want and we're doing it earlier that is true so are we bringing fourth and 15 to one of the first segments no we're so it's got to be fourth and 15 it's not the fourth quarter yet i'm that's, just saying that's true so fourth and 15 is when we tell you what we're because betting. of what we're just talking about damn it i'm just <laughs> looking at the information the renegades have to play the defenders this week there's a very good chance that they could but the Brahmas are playing the Guardians, and I know that the Brahmas will Brahma it up. Even though they did poop on the Guardians in Orlando. But that was weeks ago before the Dormandy. <laughs> yeah, the, Dorm- the Dormandy in Normandy. <laughs> <laughs> I call it D-Day for Dormandy. So back to the roundup, because you don't want to – we 
we, we don't want to give fourth and fifteen too we're much time, little, right? We're getting a little sidetracked. The Vipers add the battle logs. Duh. <laughs> the first overtime game of the fucking XFL's existence. I was just talking about this. I told you, home team played good, but away team played a little good, too. I am surprised that the Vipers were able to take them to overtime, but we found out quickly before this game started that McCarron is injured and might still be going into this week, which is bad news. I think McCarron's playing against the Sea Dragons. He's not going to let Danucci. He's not running from Danucci. But, yeah, so what basically happened is Nick Tianu showed you how dynamic the offense is with A.J. McCarron there and really showed why we're so high on him on this podcast. High on him like we're high on the reefer. Sponsor us, 420. Um, And also the Vipers, I don't even know who their quarterback's name is. I refuse to learn it because he pooped on the Brahmas in a game we needed to win. But I feel like that guy can ball a little bit because I think he had 60-some rushing yards too, their quarterback. Teano. No. Tino? No, not for the Battlehawks, for the Vipers. Oh. Well, that's McClendon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. He, yeah, he played really well. So I think that's what happened. But, I mean, there were a couple big Battlehawk plays that kept them in it. Their defense did, did its thing. And, you know, the Vipers really controlled that game. But the one play, the best play of the season, in my opinion, really, uh, really took that game away. And then that really just shows you that that team needs to win so they can stay a game ahead of your Sea Dragons. I am checking the latest updates real quick because I want to give people the most up-to-date knowledge that we have. That's what they come to this podcast to, to expect. A.J. McCarron is still not healthy enough to start. I don't think so. That's what it looks like. That's what all my Adam Schefter's, Ian Rappaport's, frequent guests of the pod... They t- they're telling me right now in this very moment. So, unfortunately, against the probably the biggest team of the season so far because the playoffs are riding on this, AJ McCarron probably might not be playing against the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons this week. Well, Hell <laughs> of a matchup. Biggest I don't, matchup. In the I don't think they need AJ McCarron to play because they still got the only guy on their team who threw a touchdown pass. Last week playing. Shepard? Their punter. Oh, duh. Yeah, the biggest play. Of the play. Week. Yeah, you didn't even, you were like, ooh, fake pump for 66 yards in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go down. That ended up tying the game. And they bit so the hard. Goal. Remember we were at work and I was like, yo, it's third and six. Like, it looks like they're going to punt. And then I, t- I told you, I was like, oh, it's tied up now. I don't know what happened. Yeah, you're and like, then it's going that's what time. happened. Yeah, it was that. That's what happened. That was sick. It was ballsy play. Game's over if they don't get that because they were basically in field goal range. Then again. That is what made me look for the futures um, bet for the Battlehawks because that's what I wanted to tell you on this episode of the podcast. I think that the Battlehawks are going to win it all. As a Sea Dragons fan, I think the Battlehawks are going to win it all. I know they lost to the defenders twice. They're going to have to play the defenders in the playoffs, obviously. That's, uh, are, you telling to me, are you telling me right now you're betting against the beer snake? Yeah, I am. You're not supposed to bet against beer you've snake. Heard it, you've heard it here. But they're not playing at home. The they're not playing at home. All these uh, playoff games are in uh, Arlington. Are they? I'm 99% sure. Because I'm 99% sure that the championship games 
in San Antonio at, at the Alamo Dome. Oh, okay. And then I'm pretty sure that's they, in Texas, and right? I'm pretty sure Texas they is big. It. Yeah. That we, there's three Texas teams, and they're all bad. exactly. They're so, all bad. <laughs> so f off. But yeah, I think it's home. I think it'll be Snake Country. But I don't know. It depends on McCarran. Depends where the uh, the DC defenders are. But we'll get to talking about them later. But let's get to this overtime game. Overtime rules are pretty cool in the XFL. They are. I like the three try shootout style mechanic they have. Yeah. You go pick that up. Like it. Yeah, that's all you give me. You're like, I like it. I thought you were gonna say how awesome it was, and Mister, I took notes and have the best plays of the game. I thought the Mister Spaghetti's finest plays of the week. I know. Right? I mean, if you want me to do this podcast solo, and I occasionally you answer a rhetorical question of mine, we can do it. We'll do this like a radio show. Welcome back to it's Behind the Sticks with your host, Ian Sacchetti. Joshua Housel producing and editing. Big shout out to Joshua Housel. It's not a cue to talk. We got a, <laughs> we got a caller on the line. Should you take him? You tell Yo, me. Yo, we got Josh Housel on the line. <laughs> Here he is, boss. Yo, Spaghetti, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Birds are going to win in 2024. We're gonna, sixes are going all the way. Joel Avita, MVP. Sixes and four. Celtics are going down. <laughs> Battle Hogs are going with the winning at all. But yeah, back to um. So the overtime, yeah, behind I think, the sticks. Yeah, so I do enjoy the shootout too, Housel. It is really you neat do? and that's fun. All you're yeah, that's all I'm getting. Standing. It's quite good. Back to you, Housel. <laughs> <laughs> so all two point tries, and you have to win by two, or just you have to win by one if the other team doesn't make. And so it's just whoever has more. Okay, so just whoever has more. And then if it's tied, I think it keeps going until someone gets the lead after they both go off. That's what would make sense to me. I feel like they wouldn't end the game in the tie in a shootout. Way cooler than just trying to kick it off when someone wins an artificial coin toss and then maybe getting down for a nice little field goal. Yeah, way way cooler than 10 minutes of one drive to kick a field goal. Because, like, at that point, the defenses are so cooked, and if you're going to overtime, most likely, the offenses are rolling. If not, it's going to end in a tie, and we're talking mostly playoff football here where it's all about the QB. So, yeah, NFL should really take a page out of this book. It was a lot more exciting, and it begs the question, why do the Sea Dragons always go for three when the two-point conversion is how you win in overtime, making it make the most sense to be the one you have the most practice for? Because if it comes down to it, you want that to be your lockdown. Well, it's very simple. Jim Haslam does not listen to the podcast. It is proven he does not listen. The coaches that listen, they succeed. The beer snakes, even the renegades. Yeah, some people take our advice and they flourish. And then we have um, people who don't. Yeah, we know we are the ESPN of uh, the XFL. And they're going to be a team that went on a five-game oh, winning streak. And not make the playoffs. Yeah, see, that's why I'm so sad. Like, I love my Sea Dragons, but I just think that they're gonna just they're gonna fumble it. They're gonna do, do something this week to and put the, them out of the game, just like they've done every week. They they have the most like yards in the league. They got the most like tutties in the league, but they also definitely have the most. Interceptions. I don't think they have the most tutties. I think that's what kills I was them. making that up. That wasn't real stack. No, I think that's what kills them is they just settle for a lot of field goals or turn the ball. They over do the settle for a lot of field like, goals. Like they don't ever have a, like they don't have like a three and out drive ever. But then they'll get to the forty and just fumble it away or punt 
and then they'll pump from the 40. I think I saw this. Was it them who had like the punt of net six yards? <laughs> I don't know. I definitely That'd saw that. That'd be a stat for a stat podcast. I know, right? For someone who actually pays attention. Anything else you'd like to add to this first overtime ever? In no, I, I think uh, mainly why is because there was another overtime that I think is a little more exciting because of how controversial it was. Yes. But I think this game really just shows that the Battle Hawks have heart and that they're going to be a fun team to watch in the future. Moving on, we have the Renegades at the Guardians. I said that the Guardians would win this game easy peasy squeezy. Also agreed with that. Yes, and uh, we were wrong. Unfortunately, we make mistakes, guys. The Renegades have the most takeaways in the league. Their defense is pretty decent. So that might help them going into the playoffs. And it, Perez looked pretty good out there. I don't have the stats on right now in front of me. but Perez looked all right, but he also looked bad. He looks kind of goofy in blue. He definitely looks goofy there. I told you the <laughs> Vipers have the, coolie, the, coolest, the coolest uniforms. Yeah. But, um, like, Perez was like, oh, he did decent. He was a solid game manager and everything. Their only touchdown was on defense. Yeah. And that play. Oh. Their defense may have scored more touchdowns than their offense this season. It's probably close. And then if you look at the touchdowns and you get rid of ones where the defense got them a turnover in the red zone, or you get rid of ones that are turnovers in general, it's probably really bad. But that fumble return for a touchdown is what sealed the game, basically. It did. I thought that maybe, thought just maybe they were going to get it and they were going to go down the field and maybe just win my parlay for me. Oh, no, I don't mean that fumble. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought you were talking about the, the game. Yeah, he had, he had a lot of turnovers in this game. A lot of them. He didn't eat cheated up. But five? I, we said five? I think five. But when he was running and the guy got his ankles and he fell and the ball popped out and then they returned it, I was like, dude, that's not a fumble. He, he hit the ground. He was down. And then he was like – Falling and then just went like oopsie poopsie and dropped the ball on. It's like no oopsie poopsie. So after that uh, debacle and me already losing my parlay, second game in, we had the Houston. Well, I, I do have one more point I want to bring up. Oh sure, good. And I did bring I up. I hate a, to cut cut it short here. A little bit earlier, I want to discuss it with you a little bit. What do you think of the coach's call to not go for the tie and to trust his defense and get another possession to try to kick the field goal? The game ended 18-16. They went for one and got it. They could have gone for three and tried to tie the game. Oh. Uh, I think that was some that was some puss move right there. So you think that was the dumb call? How much time was left? Over two minutes, I think. Uh, I guess it's hard to say. It's hard to Monday morning quarterback this, but. It is, for, it is Thursday. So <laughs> very hard to Monday morning anything. I think that the Guardians' defense isn't amazing. They're no Renegades' defense. So. But the Renegades' offense is pretty bad. Yes, that's true. But the guys had to run out of time. So you just run the ball a couple of times and they don't stop you. And then the game's over and you just watched it dwindle away. Yeah, exactly. And with I know Dormany was a turnover machine, but with his like yards and everything, I think you got to trust your quarterback in that spot to get you the tie. Because then even if you don't get it, you get the field goal and you have another chance to chase the tie. I feel like going for one there is kind of like, I don't know. I, I, dragon. I don't know if that's like the coward's call or if that's the braver call, but I feel like that's like banking on your defense to get it. Well, Which, I mean, it didn't work for him. I'm not saying, my, yeah, I'm not like saying mine would have worked, but coach needs to go back to yeeting headsets, and I think we're back in the playoff picture. <laughs> Guardians are I think the Guardians have been eliminated. <laughs> they, they have. So, one and seven? Yes. 
promise. And I finally have been officially eliminated. I know, right? Two and six promise hanging on. Going to our next game. The Brahmas. Brahmas. The Roughnecks at the Brahmas. This one also ended up being a thriller. Our second overtime game of the week. Well, I'd say the game was pretty boring for the most part. It just was a defensive effort. But the ending was pretty cool, especially when the Brahmas scored late, went for the fourth and 15. And then um, what was the what was the oh, penalty? There's a lot, there's a lot of penalties this game. No, but the one on the fourth and 15 attempt, it was the illegal contact, which is a five-yard penalty, automatic but an first automatic down. first down. Crazy to think that you could have that called on the fourth and 15 and have that carryover. It's weird because uh, all bias aside, it helped the Brahmas, but a five-yard penalty shouldn't get you an automatic first down on fourth and 15. But then again, like, he really blocked him up, and that could have been, like, a touchdown, theoretically, if he got open on that. It's the Brahmas, so it's not going to happen. But, like, <laughs> that's what the safeguard is because it could have, and that would have been, like, maybe he saved the game because they ended up winning by committing that penalty. Yeah, Cole McDonald did not look amazing out there. And Silvers was oh bad Silvers too. was out there this week I forgot he was so it was so uneventful that I forgot Silvers I mean last time there. they played Silvers McDonald won for him though didn't he in the and the two over, point off yeah yeah I think he got the only one I think only one was scored only one was scored and it was the, the final la- it was one. the last one yeah how pathetic yeah. Brian how pathetic the number one team in the division having to go to the last thing of the shootout for the win. Against the two-win team that is not in last place in their division. <laughs> Who's still playoff fighting? Yeah. That's as gritty as it gets. I see you have the stats up. Does it have the scoring stats? Like the offense and defense? For the whole teams? Yeah. Because I would be curious to see where that's ranking right now. So we could get an idea since that is one of the tiebreakers that comes up in the playoffs. And theoretically for the Renegades and Brahmas it could come up. And for the Sea Dragons and Battlehawks it could. So I'd be curious to see where that's at. Thank you, Producer Housel. Anytime, anytime. Got to stand up. I'm going to look at these stats too, guys. So they were at the XFL stats, so it's kind of weird for defensive scoring. It has touchdowns that they've scored instead of points allowed. So we'll have to get back to you on that one. But it does look like um, Battlehawks and Sea Dragons are pretty neck and neck in the scoring departments. And at the Brahmas and Renegades. <laughs> so, like, if there's ties... I am surprised that the Battlehawks are underneath the Guardians, though. And honestly, even the Sea Dragons, we said they scored, they settled for a lot of field goals. But it, not breaking double digits. Like, come on, dude. The Renegades have nine. Brahmas That's ten. like one touchdown a game. And then the Vipers at 20. Oh like, God. holy crap. Dude, you don't realize it's that bad till you look at it, dude. The Renegades and Brahmas suck. The numbers don't lie, guys. These teams are bad. They don't know how to play football. Their offensive coordinators need to be fired. Like, clearly, they've changed quarterbacks enough, both of these teams. The Renegades have started four quarterbacks, I think, and so have the Brahmas. And you know which quarterbacks look good? None of them. There's no reason this is all of their faults. I refuse to blame them all. Offensive coordinators of these teams, you're on notice. I know how to ask Madden for a play call. (laughs) <laughs> and I will do it better than you. And the same play call every time. Halfback Triple draw, option. baby. Oh. Just give me that football IQ. Read left zebra delta eight four six. And then we just run that play. And then I just hit him with the SP, SP guys, SP. That's the same play. <laughs> FP split play. FP, FP. Um 
that's what the uh, defenders do clearly when they score their rushing touchdowns. What did the one announcer say when they got down to the goal line in the best game of the week? Like that transition where I was going to say that was a great segue. Damn, look at you. After that huge cash by what's his name? Blair? Yes. Receiver for the defenders. Abram Smith, they're like, time to bring it, give it to the boulder or the wrecking ball. He said something sweet. They're like, they're going to bring in the boulder to pound it in. And then he just was like, Bruh. yeah, he did Abram Smith things. <laughs> now, do you think Abram Smith with a name like Abram? I picture he's kind of like Amish and he was building stuff. With, like, he's country strong. Like this man never worked out in the gym. He just was like hoisting hay bales and business women from the city on Christmas. And that's how he got so strong. He's just that farm boy. Sorry, I hit that pause out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't realize. Dude, that was me yawning. I cut to you since, right as you were about to yawn. I've been yawning a lot, unfortunately. But since it's you know 10 o'clock and I'm old and dirt, you know, I'm a little tired. But I, I apologize, fans. I will try to wake the fuck up. I mean, you got a lot of editing to do in this one, so it's fine. So welcome to my life every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Best game of the week, though. Defenders. I wanted to say Hawks, but that is not this week. Um, Defenders, Sea Dragons. And the Sea Dragons got clapped, Dragons. And I it was close game. I mean, it but... was close. They they really pulled it out in the end because the game started off looking like Defenders were just going to do their thing. They got that big play to score the touchdown, and it looked like that was going to be the difference maker. They scored another touchdown on Methodical Drive. But then the defense the really never just, gave up. Yeah, the Sea Dragons defense was really holding it down. A unit that we talked mad trash on earlier really um, locked it down. And then Danucci was able to make some good plays, good reads. And uh, the team really was firing on all cylinders there. But then they just had that collapse on that huge touchdown play yeah. to Blair again. And they also, Danucci threw two picks this game? Three? I'm not sure. I think so. Um, and it's just so defeated. Like they come back and they manage to make this like a one score game. And then they, like you said, they give up a huge play to Blair for the touchdown, but just, you gotta, you gotta stop turning the ball over. Damn it. I mean, I would like to see the sea dragons in the playoffs more than the battle Hawks, just based off of the two games they've played the defenders in. Cause you remember the first game of the season, the pick six is what put him behind, and then Danucci fumbled the ball at the goal line. And they put in their other quarterback. That that killed a lot of their early momentum because they actually had a 9 nothing lead that game. So I think they could actually have potential to win because I feel like the Battlehawks kind of got pooped on both games and got lucky because they got lucky at the end to make it a one-possession game at the second game with that fumble. Yeah. And the other one was, like, really close too. So I, I feel like the Sea Dragons would offer a lot more because we get another one of I these just epic think- shootouts. True, but I just think that the Battle Hawks, like it's their third time, man. They they gotta they gotta have it together. AJ McCarron, he will play. Would you feel the same way if the Sea the Sea Dragons played him? Maybe not as strongly because because DC's undefeated against the teams they would play in the playoffs. Yes, <laughs> not as strongly, mainly because the of the comeback the comeback ability of the. Um, the Battle Hawks, like they can just come back and win games. They can do it with Tato. They can do it with AJ McCarron. We'll see if they can do it with this new, this new clown. Yeah, the fake yeah, no, clown. whoever this guy is, they just signed. They're like, hey man, uh, we gotta need you to run this whole offense in one week. So here, here's one thing Actually, I will ask: getting us back to the Sea Dragons, 
is do you think Ben DiNucci makes all of his receivers better or that they are just plentiful at that position? Because was it Lawan Green who had the two touchdowns that really put him back in the game? Like whether it's Jawan? Jawan. Why do I always say Lawan? I don't know I was why like, I think yo, his, who? I don't know why I think his name starts with an L. Jawan Green. Yes, he song. had two tutties and then um damn the name of the guy loses me. Was it Jackson? Yes, Blake Jackson. Blake Jackson, yeah. So they have yeah, Blake, another one. Blake Jackson scores. They have and our boy, Jawan um, Green, Jacor Pearson, Josh I for, Gordon. I forgot that this was the week of Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay's back. We haven't and even he brought scored that up. A tutty. Yeah. No, I can't believe we haven't brought that up yet. He already has a tenth of the touchdowns of the entire Brahma's team. He's it was a, a nice touchdown, though. I think he looked good out there. They didn't use him like a ton, which I thought was weird. They have fresh just, legs, you know. Get he just got there. there. He doesn't know the playbook yet, so he can't do protections. Run the ball. And they're oh, such protection. a pass-heavy team, exactly. So they, he's a liability to have out there at this point. But once he learns the passing, I, that's why I think they brought him in, just get his feet wet back to football action because they want him to be a key component for this battle. And give him that touchdown. Feed the beast. Exactly. Be like, yo, we're going to make you score points. Anything else you'd like to add about the defenders game? Um, Besides that, Tiamo looks like he can do it in all facets because he's been having to throw the ball the past couple weeks, and he's already making his wide receivers look good. I think, honestly – Parker Romo, he's lost this spot. Tayamu is probably most likely to go back to the NFL. I think he could be a great backup for a team that's tr- – because the RPO is getting more popular. And with what Jalen Hurts is doing and Lamar Jackson and even look at, like, Mahomes and everything, you want a mobile quarterback? I think Tayamu would be a pretty good backup. He showed he's got the arm. He can come in and manage drives for a run-heavy team. I think he can make it back in the NFL. Yeah, I think that he definitely has the ability. I love what I'm seeing at him so far. He's just amazing. And, like, they have De'Aaron King, and he comes in, and he plays well, too. It's not fair that he has to sit on the bench and watch Tiamu just light it up. But, I mean, he is. He's doing it all. He's, he is. I couldn't agree with you more, Housetown. I knew you'd see it my way. Well, that wraps up this week's weekly roundup. Spaghetti, I think everyone knows what time it is. I think everyone knows, indeed. It is time for my sauciest plays of the week. But there's a little little variation going on this week. I couldn't help myself. I know everyone loves a clean, concise top five list, but I had to give six plays the credit they deserved. So number six, which made the cut, I couldn't get rid of it, is actually a double dip, as Jawan Green thought getting open for a 46-yard TD on a go-route just wasn't enough with him. And followed up with a 56-yard tutty, where he'd stay on his feet in a crowd of D.C. defenders and shimmy shake his way to the end zone. To turn that game into a shootout. But couldn't put it away. Couldn't put it away, but he basically gave them all the hope they needed. Did you double dip on the double dip? Double dip, double dip. I talked about it earlier. You six, you got six plays, but you also have another play in your for one six play. I've had I've had double dips before. Okay. Sometimes the sauce is so good you gotta go back for another dip. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't argue with that logic. Our number four sauciest play involves backup to podcast favorite A.J. McCarron, Nick Piano, when he decides to go full helicopter, helicopter, and run his way in for the two-pointer, getting spun right round, baby, right round. You spin my head right round, right round, when you go down, when you go down, down. Which, that would actually help them go to a tie, which they would win the game. Best of luck recovering Tiano. First game, and he made it onto the saucy plays. 
Coming in at number four is when we're second and 20. Dormady would get lit up as he was throwing the ball, and Renegades defender Willie Taylor would grab the pick. But couldn't say it better than the announcer did. said Desmond Thomas would take his cookie and steal the ball back for the Guardians as Taylor was so close to getting out of bounds. He just went, oink. Not that ookie cookie. <laughs> he went ookie ookie for that cookie cookie. <laughs> Coming in at three, this saucy play is a game winner for the sauciest game. We have Chris, Chris Blair break the only defender on the right side of the field galloping into the end zone for a 70-yard score, which would win the game for the D.C. defenders and arguably the best game of the season. Now, number two is a little hurts my heart a little bit. I'm a little sad because normally this play would come in at number one because I love when a big man gets to touch the ball. And I'm sure Trayvon Mason loved it as well. When on third down, he noticed the pass to the flats coming, backed his way into coverage, slapped the ball up, and scooped it out of the air for the D-tackle pick. Did I hear you correctly? Do you say you like when uh, the big man touches your balls? Touches any balls. I'm a fan. Big men, big balls. But number one, fake fucking punt. Big fucking punt in the fourth, and it scored. Literally nothing can be sauce here, even sauce card. To tie the game. A fake punt in the fourth with five minutes to go. To Gary Jennings, gets a block and runs full steam for a 64-yard score, which in this game would be huge because it went to OT. Huge call, big balls by the coach, great execution by the players, insane way to get our game first overtime game. We have the first successful punt. So that rounds up my six saucy plays. Don't expect six next week unless you give us a dollar. I heard that uh, next week you're going big and going with seven. Uh, I'll have two additional plays in the uh, the bonus features. That is awesome. Love to hear it. And uh, while you were doing your sauciest plays, I was paying attention very, very closely, right? Indeed. And I want to see the helicopter play that you keep referencing. All right. So before we end the sauciest of the plays, but I think this is the last no, one. No, yeah, show. it's not that one. It's not that one. <clears throat> no, it's early. It's their first touchdown. Oh, it's of the game? No, it's the first uh, Battlehawks touchdown. So I think it's the second of the game. First Battlehawks touchdown, second of the game. It's early. I early thought you were saying it was the second one to end the game, and I was like, oh. No, that's... that was the pump, the fake pump that would tie it. That's on this touchdown. Okay, and it's for two points. Yep, so Akeem Butler grabbed his uh, league-tying sixth touchdown. So, Sean, Akeem can do it with whoever's out there. Yeah, Akeem is great and needs to be in the NFL. Right up the gut. Yeet! <laughs> All right, so I thought there was going to be more rotation on this helicopter, but that he, was a pretty good He does like spin. two full rotations. He finished this game, though, so for him to go on the IR after this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in slow-mo, you really see it. It looks great. So those were some absolutely saucy, saucy plays this week, my man. Great work. But the one thing that can be said is that the XFL never gives us a short list of plays where that could be top for the week. Oh, and I always have to look at ones that I cut out of production that just weren't saucy enough because I'm almost only limited to scoring plays. Yeah. But, like, I the mean, Quest Patrick had a huge play that was almost a touchdown that was going to make the list, but then when it got overturned – I was like, how can I put this over the insane helicopter or a guy getting two touchdowns in the clutch, 56 or 46, then 56? Like, there's a lot that goes in to the sauciest plays. There's fake a lot punts. in the background. I have a lot of people working in shadows for me. Fake punts was obvious. 
That was number <laughs> one. I knew that was the sauciest play when I saw the replays. All right, so I think it's time for our ad break, right? Yeah, um, we're going to have a word from our sponsor after this break, and then we'll get into the uh, the meat and potatoes. Some might so. say a saucy sponsor. A little saucy. All right, but thanks for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to hit that rate button on the Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sub. We got the sub. You can do it right through Spotify if you guys would like. Don't, you'll get a whole extra episode a week from us. A little housekeeping note, we apologize that we're a day behind this week, but you got the podcast three days early last week, so that's just good karma for you, mixing with the bad karma. So we love you, and we're sorry that we had a whole whole day. You had to make you wait, and uh, we hope you forgive us. Just like the XFL schedule, we aren't consistent either. Yeah, we flexing. We flexing the games. <laughs> anyway, we will see you after this break. If you're anything like me, you find yourself reading books quite often and wondering, what am I going to do with this book when I'm finished with it? And also, boy, does reading build up my appetite. But thanks to today's sponsor, Edibooks, your problems are solved with their brand new technology revolving around edible books. Ever decided that last page was a little too scary and Stephen King's it? Just rip it out and eat that bad boy. Loaded with calories, made from their seasonal blends, they come in a variety of flavors like paper and ink. Reviews have come out saying, what? Ian, I'm not going to eat this. This is just a book. Five stars. Also, what the fuck? That's just a piece of paper. Edibooks. Feeding your brain and your belly. Wow, what a sponsor this week, my man. You know, I've been dying to eat that Oedipussy. Yeah, um, I'm not too much into the classics as much as you are. They kind of um, are a little drier for my tastes, but... They're the ass licks. It is, it is, it is an ass lick, <laughs> for sure. Um, but this does bring us, speaking of asses, you've got bottoms and you've got power bottoms. <laughs> and power! We're power rankings! <laughs> And uh, we have a very controversial number eight this week. I don't think it's too controversial. And by we, I mean you. Yeah, we collaborated on the power rankings. And basically, I feel like you guys have told us that you hate my voice more, so I'm going to do most of the talking for the rest of this episode. Giving them what you don't like, because we're giving you what you do want if you pay us. Bonus episode, I barely say a word. And we definitely don't even talk about the XFL. No, giraffe fights were a big part of it. <laughs> but that's uh, that's the only sneak preview you get. Coming in at number eight, couldn't beat a giraffe in a fight. We have my Brahmas. Damn, how to do them like that. I had to do the Brahmas like that because I didn't know they only scored 10 touchdowns. Oh, my God, that's so bad. When you, only, when you can't score, you can't win. You don't win unless you put up points. Whoever puts up more points wins. They don't put up points. Number eight goes to someone who's not great at scoring points. Well, Dr. Seuss, I was going to debate with you, but then we looked at the offensive team stats and saw they scored 10 touchdowns this season, one above the Renegades, which is embarrassing for the Renegades, but the defense makes up for it. The Brahmas have earned their number eight spot on the power rankings. Very deservedly. Did I just foreshadow? Who's number seven? Number seven is not the Someone we had were very <laughs> bullish on last week in our reactionary pod. The Orlando Guardians. They are who we thought they were. 
five turnovers for Dormady. The team just looks like they were a training camp away from it. I feel like all the time they wasted with Paxton Lynch really ruined their season and that they could come into their own, but it's too late to really do that. And with all the shape-up and mix-ups that don't happen with the roster, that I really think at this point they're just auditioning. All the players are auditioning to go to another team. Well, I'm sad that the Guardians were not able to pull it out because I thought that with the heart instilled into them after beating the number one team in the league, they would win out and we'd have a championship game with the Guardians and Defenders. I said it, guys. Um, I said it. I'm sorry. They knocked her up because their pullout game was weak. Amen. Number six. Coming in at six, you know it's the Vegas Vipers. They beat both of the teams under them, which puts them in this position. Not going to say a single thing more. Number five. The Renegades. Renegades! They are in playoff contention, so I guess they are better than all these teams, and I'm pretty sure they've beaten them all, too. They split with the Brahmas, but whatever. So basically, pretty self-explanatory for that. I know they don't have touchdowns, but league-leading defense and turnovers, and they played a lot of heavy-hitting offenses. So the defense is real, and if they can turn some of those turnovers into touchdowns, they could steal a game from someone. So they are dangerous. Wow. Dangerous. Who do you put at number four, though? Number four is going to be the Roughnecks. Houston uh-huh. Roughnecks were able to right the ship a little bit against the Brahmas. I think a win was much needed for their confidence. And if they can get a couple wins stringed together and look a little better on offense, they could go into the playoffs a little more confident. And plus, they're going to basically have a tune-up game first round against the Rough or against the Renegades or the Brahmas. So, like, I think they'll have the confidence. The Brahmas who just took them to the final um, a try in overtime. Just saying. Yeah, but this was Silver's coming back off injury, so you're right. And I think they're still McDonald adjusting to the loss. I think they're still adjusting to the loss of Kirkland. So I think once they figure that out a little more, they have time. They'll be, they'll right there. Yes, I don't know how Bandy did, <laughs> but he was that new wide receiver that everyone was hot on. But we know that DeAndre Kirkland is still leading the league. No, Deontay Burnett's tied for leading. Oh the yeah, what did I say? Kirkland. Kirkland? Yeah, Kirk- yeah, Kirkland, Kirkland was until he was hurt. Sorry, I also happen to be a big. That's fine. So number three might be a little controversial, but if AJ McCarron's not playing, the Sea Dragons are better than the Battle Hawks. I know they have a game coming up that's really going to be the deciding factor, but if you told me Ben DiNucci wasn't playing and AJ McCarron was, who in their right mind would have the Sea Dragons above the Battle Hawks? So you got to get look at it the same way. These teams are really on par with each other, and I feel like that's the the edge is the quarterback play. So if McCarron's not playing. The Sea Dragons are better. I'm hoping the McCarron will come out for playoffs, but this week is going to be a big test. This is basically a playoff game. You're right. We'll see if he can come out for it. But if not, I still think that they're well coached. I think they might be able to beat the Sea Dragons. It's going to be a hard one to bet on this week. I think regardless, they should throw an extra game at the end of the season. And whoever it is, Sea Dragons or Battlehawks, if they don't make it to the playoffs, they should play the number two team from the South for the playoff spot. I think it's only fair if you have somehow the four and six Brahmas make it and the seven and three or yeah, seven and three battle hawks don't. That's really messed up. I think they should play for that spot. Agreed. But then no. number one Wait. Oh, okay. I guess you get away number two. Yeah, I did two two and three at the same time. Okay, okay. It's concise because they're really close. I feel like only one thing really put one team over the edge and I could sum it up pretty quickly. 
Number one, obviously, DC Defenders, best record, beat everybody, had one fluke game. But I will say, defense of the Defenders giving up back-to-back big games, 300-yard passers and 30 burgers and points. So that is something to look at because they got beat, and then now the you know the cracks are showing a little bit that you can throw the ball on them a little bit. Maybe it was just a fluke. Maybe Dormady's got it. We know Danucci's been lighting it up, but... We'll see if they do lose, but that is uh, the power rankings for behind the sticks. I will debate with you that I think, even as a Sea Dragons fan, I'm the most unbiased, biased fan there is. I think the Battle Hawks are number two. and Even without A.J. McKinnon. Yeah, they won last week, didn't they? Against the Vipers, they barely beat them, and that was in what I could call was the law, right? They needed a fake punt and crowd effort. And the fake punt And won the quarterback to turn into a flying device. Well, I'm quick to jump on the fake trains. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I'm quick to jump on things. <laughs> you were quite popular in college. <laughs> we both graduated from behind the sticks university. Uh, once we get the uh, more consistent going, probably for next year, this is a little foreshadowing. We're going to be more video based, get out there. So, we'll have our degrees in the background. You'll see them. All right, everyone. Due to some editing magic, we are ready for the 4th and 15. We got first game of the week, Vegas Vipers versus the Houston Roughnecks in Houston. They're giving Houston six and a half points. Over or under is 43 and a half. That's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. Um, I think they'll get scored. I think the Roughnecks will win, but I think the Vipers will be within six and a half. I, I actually very agree with this because this is a great bag um, to maybe even not even put into a parlay, just pick up straight and be like, yeah, do you definitely over? We, oh, wait, are we thinking over? I was thinking over. Okay, I was going to say definitely over on this and definitely uh, Vegas covering the spread because even if they don't win outright, they'll cover six and a half. This is the team that lost to the Brahma or won to the Brahmas on the last of the shootout, like I keep preaching about. But I like it. Yeah. This guy's picking the Viper six and a half. Sorry, we're on somebody else's league site this time because oh, nice. the DraftKings I couldn't find. We'll at least get a little uh, a little more clarity. Okay, so the thriller of the week will be the Orlando Guardians at the San Antonio Brahmas. They are giving one and a half points to the San Antonio Brahmas. 39 and a half is the over-under. I think it could be over. I'm biased here. Go under. Guardians are winning straight up. Gonna yeah. be like it's gonna be like eleven to twenty something. Okay. The Brahmas are just they're gassed. I want to say the Brahmas are gonna win, but I don't think so, dude. I think I, don't think I, I think, think, I think their defense it's is hard to mad bet on how, bad teams. I think their defense is so mad at how bad their offense is that they like gave up. While it's the opposite, I feel like the Guardians' defense started playing better because the offense has been balling. Well, I can't argue with that logic, my man. It's flawless. So I'm going under Guardian straight up, so definitely take the points. This person was also picking the Guardians, just in case you wanted to know, guys. See how well we're picking against. I, I'm i going to take the Brahmas, and I'm going to bitch about it on the podcast so my parlay gets broken. <laughs> Next up, we got the Arlington Renegades at the D.C. Defenders. They're giving Arlington, they're giving D.C. eight and a half points over the Arlington Renegades, and I think that that is 
probably. It's, it's totally fair. I, I, this might be the first one where they don't cover the spread because there's been big spreads this this season and they've all covered. Yeah, because but the, the Renegades can't score points. Yeah, ten touchdowns to like thirty for the defenders. Yeah, the defenders the, have like the most in the league, guys. You literally just look at the that that the scoring offenses and it tells you the tale of this game. The defenders are going to blow them out of the water, and it's probably going to be like 30-something to 12. So, I agree with that completely. The person that on this website picked the – the only thing they could pick for this game was the under 41 and a half. They're not picking a team. They're picking under 41 and a half. You know, that is a weird pick to have. I, I'll, I'll, you know, under does actually sound kind of good because the Renegades can't score. Yeah, but defenders can and they will. Yeah, but they might be up by so much that they just run the game out because the Renegades can't do anything. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll go, we're split on this. I'll go defenders, straight up and by the points, and under. All right. Well, I'm going defenders and over. All right. In our last game, we've alluded to this uh, all podcast. Biggest game of the season. Seattle Sea Dragons at the St. Louis Battlehawks. Kakal is the law, ladies and gentlemen. They're giving the Sea Dragons, just kidding, they're giving the Battlehawks the point. They think the Battlehawks are going to win this game. I also think the Battlehawks are going to win this game. I mean, it's so much harder without A.J. McCarron and if they're going to have a newbie in there. But they did it last week. I think they can do it again. 46 is the over-under, and this game is going to have to be an over because, like, every game that Seattle's been in has been an over, so... That's my logic here. The game against the Brahmas was under. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my my view on this game, and I think everyone should listen to me. This is the only time where I'm giving you spaghetti's 100% raw dog. Wranglers guarantee. Don't fucking touch this game until you know where AJ McCarron is. How can you bet this if you don't know if he's playing or not? Because they're Tianu, their backup because for the whole season the is hurt. So they have a quarterback who has a week of practice coming into the biggest game of the season. You don't know what he's going to do or what's going to happen. Don't touch this game unless we get news on McCarron. Because if they have a quarterback who doesn't know the playbook playing, they're going to get dogged. But if McCarron plays, they should win, which really skews up everything. So unless you get a definitive, until you get a definitive answer on this, don't touch this game. It's a parlay killer. Well, I'm touching this game, and I'm saying that Seattle, I mean, that uh, St. Louis is going to win. I don't know about the over at 46. That's a lot of points. But I guess if they're going to win, it's going to be a shootout, and they're going to have to do it with whatever Joe Schmo is back there slinging the ball. Over on the points, baby. I refer to this game as a 17-year-old girl. You can really fucking creepy. I hope I can cut that out. <laughs> this game is uranium. Don't touch it. But you can look at it from a safe distance. Respectable. Well, that ends this week's podcast, guys. I know it's a day late and a dollar short, but give us that dollar. Get both episodes for the price of one, which used to be free. It still is free. Give us that 99 cent, though. Then hear us talk about other things. It's a nice little warm-up for what we might be doing when the XFL season ends. I hope that XFL season never ends, spaghetti. Just like all good things, it'll come to an end. And then I'll be heartbroken. 
I've really fallen in love with the XFL this season and all you fans out there. Yeah, um, you 13 people, we couldn't make this happen without each and every one of you. I didn't know we had 13 moms. We probably don't. My mom is making fake accounts I've, every week. I failed biology. All right, well, on that note, thank you for coming, y'all. Y'all come back now, you here. <laughs> I thought that was great. I mean, if that's going to be the outro. Thank you.